0: What is up, you beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty DM. Here's your guy, Dan. Hey, guys. And I'm Max, and we're talking Dynasty, as always. Today, we're talking a lot about rookie wide receivers, specifically some of the guys that you may not be hearing as much about. So, Dan, we're not going to be talking about CeeDee Lamb.
1: Right, exactly. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, those types of guys. Looking for those who are uh, a little bit more of a value when it comes to your rookie drafts this year.
0: I love it, man. Those are the guys I want to talk about. I want to talk about those guys that are going, a lot of these guys going in the middle of the second round right now, maybe even slipping into the late second round. Sometimes Absolutely. I've seen them go at the at the turn of the third, and, and we want you to get those guys on your roster. We think there's a ton of value with these guys, and uh, we're going to get into it, talk about some of these guys'
1: profiles. Right on. Looking forward to it.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to talking about one of my favorite wide receivers coming out of this year draft, and that is second rounder himself, Mr. Denzel Mims. Um, coming out of Baylor, you know, pretty high draft capital. The Jets invested this guy. Damn. What do you know about Mr. Denzel Mims?
1: Max? Uh, he, I know that he might already be one of the better wide receivers on the Jets. Oh, no offense to
0: Mr. Jameson Crowder love you, or Jameson. Perriman,
1: the Brashad oh, Perriman there truthers out there. <laughs>
0: Brashad, Perriman truthers. They do exist. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're right. He might already be one of the best wide receivers on the Jets. And and we're going to try to tell you a little bit of why and maybe convince you why you could, uh, you know, find this guy in the second round of some of your rookie drafts. So Denzel Mims is really the kind of poster child for athleticism coming out of this draft. Um, He's a big dude, really that kind of prototypical alpha wide receiver build. 6'3, 207 pounds, but he runs a 438, which is really, really fast. Yeah. Um, that is good for a 96 percentile speed score. And again, speed score basically saying, you know, here's how fast you are, and here's how big you are as a human being, kind of giving an aggregate of those two. And uh, you know, the higher the speed score, the higher the the faster you are for the time that you're running. Uh, but he's also got great agility, um, showed a lot of great explosiveness. And one of the metrics that I know Dan and I really like to look at is, is breakout age. And he posted a 67th percentile breakout age, which is, you know, not amazing, but certainly above average. And, uh, you know, Dan, maybe you can talk a little bit about breakout age, what it is and why we think it's important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So breakout age is something that we are, are pretty keen on uh, just because it helps uh, for a little bit of age adjustment when it comes to overall production. Uh, When we talk about dominator, for example, that's a term that we use, which is basically a player's market share of the team that they have uh, for that year. And so what breakout age allows you to do is uh, have that age-adjusted production measurement uh, for how a player, especially a younger player, how quickly may they make their mark uh, in comparison to some of the other season players that are on that team. So uh, it's the ability to look at when they gain uh, 20% or more uh, dominator score um, for that particular year. And that kind of marks when they were able to make their earliest impact on that team Uh, and allows you to be able to compare Um, when they were first coming in, what the opportunity was that they had and what they did with it at that time. So those who do it earlier in their careers, uh, it's more impressive, right? Because they're going up against, uh, some sophomores, juniors, seniors, whatever it might be, uh, and being able to make that mark early, uh, which is a really, uh, compelling stat to be able to use, um, when you are looking at wide receiver profiles.
0: Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. When, when you're a young guy competing with the sophomores, juniors, and even seniors in some of these college teams, if you can go out there and produce, it's uh, you know it's a pretty good indicator of future NFL success if you're able to get in there and do it right away.
1: Exactly, because that's the same thing you want to be able to see them do when they transfer over to the NFL. So be able to, again, with vets on the team, be able to go in and make their mark, uh, and it's a good indicator that the uh, player is able to do so.
0: Exactly. So Denzel Mims has a good breakout age. Like I said, it's not incredible, but 67th percentile is definitely legitimate. Um, Good breakout age you want to see there. And, you know, again, like we were just saying, you know, went over a thousand yards his true sophomore season. So he has that early production on his resume, Um, you know, and even to just get into some of the nitty gritty of, you know, his last season before he came out, you know, he, he was second in average depth of target. So something you'd love to see for wide receivers is them making plays down the field, um, so we, in this class, Denzel Mims was second only to T. Higgins. I think another receiver we both like and has yep. you know been tossed around in that round of rookie drafts. Um, but he was downfield playmaker, you know, showing that he's not just the guy getting bubble screens and taking it to the house like, uh, you know, Corey Coleman was accused of doing, <laughs> another former Baylor superstar. Um, you know, he's he's kind of the guy that's actually running the routes, getting down the field and getting open with with yeah. that ridiculous athleticism he has. Um, so I, I did find a quick quote here talking about Denzel Mims at the Senior Bowl. Um, some of the PFF guys wrote up that no player moved up the draft board more after they saw him play at the Senior Bowl. And in a loaded group of wide receivers, Mims was clearly the most explosive. Showing he could maintain explosiveness and separation on the full route tree was massive for him. So I think at this point, you know, Dan Denzel Mims is going around pick 203 or so. You know, yep. we we like to use Sleeper uh, and look at their rookie draft ADP. This is single quarterback league. Um, but you know, you look at some of the guys going around him. He feels like with the athleticism, with the good breakout age, the college production, and you know how much these guys at the Senior Bowl, you know, just a couple months ago, loved watching him play, feels like a pretty rock solid prospect. Um, you know, to be taken in the early second round, maybe even comparable to some of these guys going in the late first round.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also um, paired with opportunity too. It's not like uh, he's a great profile going into a crowded uh, wide receiver room where there's definitely uh, an alpha or two sitting ahead of him. Uh, it's wide open for him to be able to make his mark. Again, being able to show that he's had a, a breakout age that was uh, reasonable enough to prove that he could kind of go in and make a mark pretty quickly. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to take advantage of that opportunity competing against the Prashad Perrimans uh, and the uh, even Chris Herndons that are coming in there. I think he has an opportunity uh, to really make a mark pretty quickly.
0: Competing with the ghost of Keyshawn Johnson for targets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. it's it's a pretty it's a pretty wide open receiver room, um, you know, and, and again, you know, you have an ascending quarterback with Sam Darnold, right? This is probably yep. the first really, really legitimate young weapon to pair with a quarterback that I think we both like and kind of believe in his ascension. Um, so I think there's a lot to love about Denzel Mims here.
1: Yep, I agree. All right. And another guy that I hope you agree with me on is Brian Edwards. Uh, just to, to kick it off, he's going right now around like the 207 to 208 uh, in rookie drafts right now. So that's kind of where he's at for value-wise. Um, college, South Carolina, uh, and he's a another big alpha receiver, uh, typically looking for uh, kind of the contested t- catch type of guy. Uh, so he's 6'3", 212 pounds, uh, and the best part about him, We were just talking about breakout age, right? Breakout age is a really cool opportunity to show how a young guy can come in and make his mark early. uh, And why you and I feel like that's pretty important. Well, enter Brian Edwards, who basically breaks the metric. Uh, 17.8-year-old breakout age. Insane. Came onto the scene and immediately was able to make his mark. Uh, 94th percentile for Dominator in the SEC. Again, a conference that we laud as the best. Uh, And he did this while sharing a field with Debo Samuel, a guy who is being talked about as of right now as a great uh, up-and-coming wide receiver uh, in the NFL. And uh, not to mention also Hayden Hurst was there for a spell. Hayden Uh, Hurst was there too? Yes, he was there too. And although as of right now, he has yet to prove himself in the NFL, uh, still a guy who really was going into the NFL being lauded for his talents. So those are two other receivers on the team Uh, that uh, had great profiles and are continuing to do well in the NFL. And he was competing against them. While being able to post a breakout age like that and dominator score like that, truly showing that he has, uh, he's a force to be reckoned with, and he's going to be really, really fun to watch this year for that reason. Uh, and so, as I mentioned, he's got some, some great kind of high level stats there, but when it comes to actual production and records too, uh, it wasn't just his first year where he did that, he continued to do well in college. Tell me what he did. Uh, and well, let me tell you, uh, he is the South Carolina leader in career receptions with 234 uh but yeah i can see you being like okay well that's just his school that's third best in sec history uh you want to look at career receiving yards 3045 uh he leads south carolina in that uh production as well which let i mention uh is fourth best in the sec history as well so he's continued to show that through both receptions and receiving yards, uh, the dude can ball. And he's really fun to watch for that reason. Um, So that's certainly like that's his college profile. What he's been able to do certainly has some impressive metrics there. But uh, along with that is this opportunity to be able to make an impact this year uh, on the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, As you know, they also took another uh, wide receiver in Henry Ruggs. Uh, Earlier than him. So a lot of people will kind of look at that and be like, okay, a little concerned in the fact that he uh, immediately in their eyes isn't deemed the alpha. Uh, He might be deemed as uh, less than uh, Henry Ruggs in that regard. But uh, in looking at how things have started to shake out uh, in camp, uh, it's actually looking like he's going to have a great opportunity right off the bat. If you look at the uh, recent quote from Greg Olson, who's the Raiders offensive coordinator, um, when speaking about Henry Ruggs, they're actually saying he's going to find his way uh, into the slot a lot more. So that leaves an opportunity on the outside. He claims that, of course, Tyrell Williams, uh, the gazelle, the speedster himself, is going to be flanking on one side. uh, And then Brian Edwards is going to have the opportunity to be uh, flanking on the other side. So when we're talking about a guy that we're excited about his ability to be an alpha, to be an outside player, receiver type of guy who can make these unbelievable contested catches uh he's going to be afforded that opportunity sooner rather than later this is a guy that i think when you and i were first talking about him it's a hey take this guy he's gonna develop he's gonna be able to get this opportunity eventually uh but the way that they're talking about using him i think they're starting to see him really kind of spring to life early uh in what has been already a pretty limited off season so he's going in he's making his mark uh, he fell a little bit in the draft earlier before because he had uh, an injury and was unable to perform at the combine. And we see that time and time again, someone's not going to be able to go and do that. And they fall in the drafts accordingly. Uh, Brian Edwards, uh, I think, realized he needed to make up and make up quick. And he's starting to make a good name for himself. Max, I know, of course, I'm, uh, I'm talking to you off about a guy that uh, I love, but you love him, too. Uh, anything in particular that you're really excited about with Brian Edwards coming into the season?
0: Oh, man, I know we could talk about Brian Edwards for days. Um, you know, I love a lot of the stuff that you just laid out there. You know, again, we we talk about the SEC. So you put all those numbers in this context, um, playing against the hardest hitting defenses in, you know, outside of pro football. Um, it's super impressive. You know, shared a field with highly drafted pass catchers in Debo and Hayden Hurst, breaking records i mean i made you double check that stat when we were doing our homework on brian edwards because i was like listen i know he's good but there have been some great wide receivers over the years in the sec so third best in receptions and fourth best in receiving yards is absolutely ridiculous um like you said about the uh i went to say oakland like you said about the las vegas thing <laughs> hey listen old habits die hard man
1: hey seriously um, it'll take
0: a while Like you said about the Las Vegas Raiders, there's a ton of opportunity there. You know, I don't think Derek Carr is, you know, the quarterback that anybody starts off the uh, so who are the best QBs in the NFL conversation with, but he's definitely a very competent player um, and he's shown great accuracy in the short and medium areas of the field. So the thing is, Dan, when you turn on the film with Brian Edwards, contested catches is an understatement. You go watch this guy play, dial up any game, and he's making ridiculous circus. Odell Beckham level catches seriously over defenders between defenders. Like you said, the guy can ball. Um, so seeing him go to that offense and knowing that, you know, they're going to send the speedster rugs out of the slot on, you know, slants fades, get him deep, stretch the field, right? Edwards is there to clean up over the middle and on the outside. I mean, if I'm Derek Carr I, and, and I need to pick up four yards on third down, I'm throwing the out route to Brian Edwards. Cause I know he's going to catch it. Um, exactly. So there's just a lot of stuff to love here. Historic breakout age. Dan, I'll give you a quick on-the-spot quiz question. Any other notable wide receivers that actually made it a couple years in the NFL that you can think of that had a 100th percentile breakout age? I can only think of one.
1: Uh, You know what? It put me on the spot, but I don't know if I could. Lay it on me. Who are we talking about?
0: We'll double-check this after, but Dante Moncrief, I'm 99.9% sure, is the only wide receiver I've seen with a breakout age like that.
1: There we go. No, that's...
0: Uncommon whether they succeeded or failed. You're not going to find a lot of them. Moncrief is the only one that I think I've come across that had a breakout age, that ridiculous that even stuck around in the NFL. But exactly. all the other guys, their profiles did not look like what Brian Edwards looks like. The guys, no. an animal. He's he's that physical alpha X wide receiver prototype, like you mentioned. And you know I think the black box missing the athleticism um, is a big thing. I think that's the reason he's slipping in rookie drafts. And I think that's the reason we're telling everybody at home to maybe trade up from the early third round or maybe trade down, you know, from the early second round, pick up some extra value and go get yourself a guy that I think we both believe should be going maybe late first round.
1: Yeah, exactly. It seems like people are starting to catch on. So this is one you'd probably have to hop on. Uh, if you have drafts right now, uh, hopefully be able to capitalize on some of that value, but, uh, he's just someone that I easily feel like will outperform his ADP uh, because, as you said, that that drop in the draft, um, that certainly helps him right now from a value standpoint. But I think the kid's going to be playing on a ch- with a chip on his shoulder now, knowing that he uh, very well and plenty have uh, said could have and should have been a first-round pick uh, and being able to go out there with something to prove. So really excited to see what he does with that.
0: I know we've been waiting a while to talk about this guy, and then boom, that's the sound of the Brian Edwards flag planted, man.
1: Yep, exactly. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everyone can look back and know that we've been uh, on this train for, uh, for quite some time.
0: So Dan, there's another guy that, uh, that I think we need to start a hype train for. And, and I, I want to talk about another guy that's, that's going in that same Brian Edwards range, right? This guy's yep. going around the two, five, two, six, and, uh, that's LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado. When I watch this guy play it's just, it's crazy. He's unbelievable. Um, And he's, you know, we've, I guess it's become a theme of the show now, you know, another big, big wide receiver. So Chenault 6'1", 227 pounds. That is a big dude. And, you know, right now, I think one of the things that, you know, has been a little murky around him is he, he ran injured at the combine. So Chenault goes to the combine and he runs a four five eight, which for a dude that size is, is still super impressive. That's, you know, 78th percentile speed score. Again, you know, speed score, just factoring in your frame to go with your speed. Um, so the thing is, Dan, I think he's even faster than that. So st- all these stories came out after the combine and said, you know, he had to leave the combine. He could only do the 40 because at a core muscle injury, um, dude sometimes i stretch too hard and and i can't even you know i could never run a 40 yard dash okay so to run a 40 (laughs) yard dash when you're about to have surgery on your core seems crazy to me yeah so this is really my way of saying that he ran a 458 i already think that's super impressive and the speed score metric does too i think he's even faster what what if that what if that you know injury wasn't there and he ran a four five flat yeah i think we're talking about a totally different story here so i think the injury thing clouded it a little. Um, but, you know, this guy just has the production in college. You know, you you watch him play. Dan, what did I, when, when I started digging into LaVisco, what did I text you? Do you remember what I said when I, I started digging into this I guy? I do. I
1: believe you said he is going to be a problem, a problem for defensive coordinators. He is. He's a nightmare. Uh, you
0: go watch the Colorado offense, right? It's not like they, you know, it's not like they have playmakers crawling all over the field. Like Chenault was the guy. He was crushing it in the receiving game, um, and he was super versatile as a runner, too. You know, he really had big, big involvement when they got towards the goal line. It's like, as soon as Colorado was in the red zone and they were inside the five, the QB was coming off the field, and it was a direct snap to LaVisca Chennault. So he he averaged, or sorry, I didn't average, but I mean, he basically posted 100-plus rushing yards in each of his uh, sophomore and junior seasons, which to talk about some of the things Dan and I love to look for in wide receivers. It's that dynamism, right? It's yeah. the ability to go out there, run the routes and catch the ball, take handfields out, take handoffs out of the backfield, take the direct snap. Uh, and really that's what Laviska was doing. And, and it shows, you know, it's, it's not just us. Don't take our word for it guys. Six weeks into this guy's sophomore year, he was pro football Focus's highest rated wide receiver in the country, in the country. So this guy getting it done, You know, true breakout sophomore season, again, you know, goes over a thousand yards Um, and to break out like that in your second year is no joke. So, you know, again, early adjusted production, you've seen a lot from him. Um, and I think, you know, Dan, talk a little bit about like what you see in you know, t- some of these like versatility and physicality elements of Chenault's game.
1: Yeah, exactly. As as, as you mentioned there, like being able to have that dynamicism uh, of like the build that he has plus the receiving skills that he has, um, you'll often see that uh, he, he kind of gets comp to like Cordero Patterson. And I think you and I both agree like Chenault is way better. Uh, then quarter uh, Patterson, especially when it comes to being a polished receiver, right? Like you could be a big yes. body dude like that. That gets put out at wide receiver, uh, and it's going to make defenses think at time. But if they know you're going to drop the ball every time they're you, eventually, they're not going to pull, uh, defenses a certain way because they know you're really just there as kind of a, a one trick pony. Um, that's where we feel like LaVisca is different because he has uh, better hands and really has the ability to, when the ball is in his hands, create yards after the catch. Uh, yes. I think that's a huge thing that he's going to be able to put out there, which is going to be so different, um, from like DJ Chark and some of the other guys that are on the team too. Um, when we're looking at, um, what he's able to do, he's the, uh, we're kind of lauding him as the king of missed tackles because in, uh, 2018, um he led with 44 missed tackles ahead of cd lamb at 38 like wait when, you mean the same cd lamb that people are talking about the best exactly, wide receiver exactly right in the class? um laviska has got a little uh, leg up on him there which is nice uh really being able to show like you put it in his hands he's able to make something happen uh and that skill set just doesn't exist uh, as much uh, on the rest of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars team. So knowing he's got a skill set that just really um, sometimes hard to find and such a, a really cool dynamic player, uh, you look at the wide receiver two job and where he's landed. And again, when we're talking about the opportunity for these guys, uh, besides DJ Chark, which I know you and I both were big fans, we think he's going to do big DJ things. Chark. Um, but some of the other guys ahead of him with D.D. Westbrook, who's mostly going to be enda- ending up going into the slots um keelan cole chris conley tyler eifert who again had that one good season has been broken ever since like these aren't guys that i'm super scared of in terms of his ability to when he gets on the field um at first getting onto the field because i think that opportunity is going to be there with some of those guys ahead of him but when he's able to be on the field really be able to show uh how much of a playmaker and a difference maker he is uh and the nice thing again you love to see when we're looking at this shortened offseason season. Uh, You always worry about connection with the QB and the rest of the system uh Gardner Minshew the stash the stash himself the stash um is already starting to see the impact that LaVisca can make on the team he basically said he is a freak <laughs> which is just the, a really cool term to be able to kind of apply to him because exactly right he's just such an awesome hybrid he says he changes the game when he has the ball in his hands uh and that he's a lot better at catching the ball than he expected which again is helping him kind of set himself apart from not just being this uh big bodied wide receiver that can uh kind of run wildcat and have uh, the RB build he's really able to uh, actually be the receiver uh, with the wide receiver position so it's just going to be super fun to be able to see him he's one of the ones where I'm just excited to see the types of plays they scheme up for him uh, because I think you're you just don't see that too often uh, and I think he's going to be someone who can really uh, make a difference there
0: I think I'm going to have to file a complaint to Apple because clearly Gardner Minshew has hacked my phone and has access to my text to
1: you. It's <laughs> uh, true, exactly. You know, He's. Uh, I was the one talking about that he was a problem, Dan. If there's one person I will gladly invite into the LaVisca Chenault fan club, it is the stash himself. So,
0: I'm more than happy to have Gardner Minshew in the LaVisca Chenault fan club, but I want to let him know about another exclusive fan club that I might be starting. So, So, Dan... Help the people at home understand a little bit about me, right? So so you know me. I'm superstitious, right?
1: You're, you're a little stitious.
0: Yeah. I am a big believer in prophecies. Also true.
1: Also true. Yes.
0: So the prophecy of rookie wide receivers clearly states that every once in a while, every once in a while, there's a guy that the scouting industrial complex misses out on. Guys that check a lot of boxes do all the right things show out big time on the field. And for whatever reason, the NFL doesn't love them like they should. So Dan, I want to talk a little bit about who I call the chosen undead from the prophecy, Mr. Tyler Johnson, let's Tyler do Johnson coming out of Minnesota, um, goes in the fifth round to the bucks and, like I said, he checks a lot of boxes, and I, I really do believe that once in a while the NFL guys get it wrong. And, you know, Dan, you've done a great job talking about, you know, breakout age and why it's important, dominator rating and what it represents. Um, you know, walk the people through a little bit of a high level of Tyler Johnson and how off the charts he is in some of these metrics.
1: Let's do it. Um, so, we talked about those, uh, those metrics. How does a 98th percentile dominator Sound that sounds uh, pretty good to me, right? Sounds uh, like it
0: fulfills a prophecy. That's I for sure.
1: Absolutely followed a eighty second percentile yards per reception. Love it. Ninetieth uh, percentile breakout age. How does that? I mean, uh, what, what, what else fancy? could you want? Yeah, unbelievable. And this is exactly why being able to take a look at some of these metrics is important uh, because they help uh, smaller school talents get emphasized. Um, because they are a nice comparison metric uh, for uh, how much of an impact that they make uh, as compared to some of those who are at some of the bigger schools, you know? So like, like let's take a look at some other big school wide receivers uh, and how Tyler Johnson compared to them on some more specific um, stats. So let's take a look at CeeDee Lamb uh, and Jerry Judy, two big uh, name wide receivers right, that are also coming out. Uh, for this draft, also at bigger schools, uh, being uh, Oklahoma and Alabama, right? So Tyler Johnson over a Little Minnesota. Let me rattle off a couple stats to you, and you let me know of either CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Tyler Johnson, who was the leader for that particular stat. So let's go first of all with a PFF, so pro football focus, uh, receiving grade. I'm going to go with CeeDee Lamb. Uh, you know what? You would think so, right? It's Tyler Johnson. Um, what about receptions? Easy one like that. Now I'm just going to answer Tyler Johnson every time. You know Tyler what? I Johnson. think you see where I'm going with this one. Tyler Johnson. All right. How about touchdowns? Uh, I'll go Jerry Judy. Uh, you know what? It was actually CeeDee Lamb. Tied with Tyler Johnson, both with 25 touchdowns for the 2018 to 2019 season. Uh, You're helping my prophecy. Let's keep this up. Uh, Tyler Johnson, first downs and touchdowns. Tyler Johnson, row- yards route. Uh, per route run uh, Tyler Johnson for contested catch rate all leading on those stats the only things that he actually fell uh, shorter than um, C. D. Lamb and Jerry Judy was receiving yards explosive plays of uh, 15 plus yards uh, or passer rating generated everything else he's leading in that column and this was over the past two seasons so a nice kind of good sample size to be able to compare these three different wide receivers
0: Yeah. I mean, that again is why these metrics exist, right. To be able to compare. And I mean, you're talking about two heavyweights, right. You know, CD lamb, a lot of people are talking about him being one of the best wide receiver prospects in a while. And and Jerry Judy's no slouch. Um, So to see him stack up in a lot of those categories is huge. Um, And you know, again, getting back to the prophecy, Dan, the chosen undead has a lot of things to fulfill and there've been chosen undeads in the past. And I want to talk a little bit about some of these other small school guys that have kind of slipped through the cracks over the years. Uh, the first one I know is a little near and dear to your heart because you're still a believer. So I am. Um, Just a quick comparison: some of these small school guys that have really like risen, you know, whether it was to be highly drafted or to actually go and crush in the NFL. So Corey Davis is one that comes to mind. Um, you know, Corey Davis was. For lacking athleticism metrics, some would say overdrafted, right? So he was a top five pick in the NFL draft not so long ago. Kind of similar to Tyler Johnson, you know, ninety-six percentile breakout age, ninety-six percentile college dominator, seventy-six percentile yards per reception. They're really not that different. So it's kind of crazy to think that guys who were both Black box prospects, right, lacking athleticism numbers from the combine, one goes in the first round and one goes in the fifth round, it seems a little overreactive to me, yeah. right? But let me lay out a couple more of these guys and see if I can't get you to believe in the prophecy. So, one of my all-time favorite wide receivers, Marcus Colston, fits this bill for sure. He's a seventh-round draft pick because he came out of a school called Hofstra, which uh, you know I don't know if, I don't know if you've watched many Hofstra games, but they're uh, you don't find them on TV. You're gonna no, have to go to the so dark much. web to find some Hofstra <laughs> games, Dan. So. And really, the only thing I could think of with Marcus Colston is is that they did have the speed score. So he was six, five, two, twenty five, and he was fast, had a ninety six percentile speed score. So for as big as he was, he was almost equally as fast. Um, but again, he was a guy. His breakout age isn't even as impressive as Tyler Johnson's, you know, So he was playing at a ridiculously small school compared to, you know, the Judys and the uh, and the CD lambs. And he still only, you know, was an 85th percentile breakout age. So not hitting the same threshold we've seen Tyler Johnson hit. Um, let me get into a couple. I know that I'm getting a little far-fetched here, but I just want to continue to prove the point. Dan, if I asked you where Jerry Rice went to school and said I could give you a million dollars if you knew where he played college football, what would your answer be?
1: Oh, I would absolutely not have any clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's because where
0: Jerry Rice went to went to play college ball sounds like a school you made up. If you told me that he played at Mississippi Valley state, I would not believe you.
1: Oh, absolutely. And
0: so Jerry Rice is another one of these small school guys. And I get it. Outliers exist. Jerry Rice is arguably the greatest wide receiver of all time, but he was a sub athlete percentile wise. And I know we have both talked about how athleticism at the wide receiver can be a little bit overvalued, but football is an athletic game. So athleticism never hurts. Jerry Rice Sub-athlete by the percentiles, but still had a 90th percentile dominator, 80th percentile yards per reception, and only a 68th percentile breakout age, playing at Mississippi Valley State, where probably we could have both broken out at age I was 19. just going to say, I think we, we had just as good of a chance as that's the case. If we didn't go to business school, we probably could have had a good shot on that field at Mississippi Valley <laughs> State. And here's the last one I'll leave you with. This one's a little weird because there's no, uh, you know, it's hard to find some of these metrics for some of these older players. But Terrell Owens, Terrell Owens played at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, another school that sounds like you made it up on the spot. (laughs) Um, Owens was a third round pick. Never, you know, he's a basketball player, so he was kind of a combo athlete, but he never surpassed 725 receiving yards in college. We're talking about one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, never had over 725 wide receiver, uh, receiving yards, at you know, playing wide receiver. You just rattled off how Tyler Johnson's numbers, you know, apples to apples are comparable to CeeDee Lamb's and Jerry Judy's. I mean, this is crazy. Like yeah. some of these guys slip through the cracks and I just want to point it out to the people. I'm not saying that Tyler Johnson is Jerry Rice. I'm not saying that he's Terrell Owens, but I'm saying that there's a chance. And for a guy that's going late round, late third round in your rookie drafts and you throw him on your team, give him a year to develop and see what happens, you know, in on a great team with a great offense. I'm just saying the sky's the limit. He checks Absolutely. all the boxes. I know he's got a lot of the numbers that we that we both look for. Dan, can I get you to buy into the prophecy? Can I get you to
1: believe in Tyler Johnson, the chosen undead? I'm in, man. Get a football in this guy's hands. I want to see what he can do. I, I love it. I, I really think that
0: he's one of those guys that once you get past the second round in your rookie drafts, you're shooting for upside. 100%. Why not shoot for the upside that this guy is Marcus Colston, that this guy could be of the player that Terrell Owens was I mean why
1: not take the chance exactly because you're you're when you're in that range you're looking at a lot of guys um where you're waiting like their immediate opportunity a little bit more um why not also take a look at their profile and a guy uh like Tyler Johnson where you can clearly see uh the dude can ball uh take a chance on him because it seems like he could definitely pay dividends if he hits
0: All right, Dan. We started a bunch of fan clubs tonight. Um, Gave a lot of people advice on, you know, some of these guys to target in the second round, maybe even the third round of their rookie drafts, and uh, gave a little hope to some of us who are still out there believing in the prophecies. So Exactly. I say we call it a night. Um... We'll come back with some more awesome stuff real soon. Dig into maybe some of the other rookies, polish up some of our rankings, and uh, you know, start looking ahead to what might be a very, very strange football season. This is true. But until then, this is the Dynasty DM. You stay classy, Dynasty leaders.
1: Thanks for tuning in.